Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, we have an awesome show lined up for the day, as usual. Um, some very timely topics here. We're going to start off talking about you know, returns, right? Yes, we are. There's a, a really neat article, Steve, and this really sums up our viewpoint on um, the stock market. But, you know, the the lure of doing something in the market, um, you know, having some kind of action, something with the North Korea or oil dropping or whatever, people feel like they have to do something during some of those, um, you know, crazy economic market events, and it's hurting people's returns. And so if you watch CNBC and some of those shows, um, they promote that, um, but the data doesn't show that. And we're going to dive into the data a little bit and show you why folks like us and the Dave Ramseys of the world and the Clark Howards recommend something different. Yeah, what the media proposes out there to you is not the best strategy, and, and we're going to talk about we're gonna bust that some myth. <laughs> data behind it. Exactly. I think that's a great topic. And then we're going to move into the four ways to stretch your money in retirement. You know, I mean— um, there's some things you can do before retirement and some things you can do in retirement to help stretch your dollars. And so uh, you may not thought of these. So we're going to we're going to jump into a few of those. That'll be very interesting as well. But um, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 20 years experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. I have 25 years of experience in working with corporations and individuals with planning. And I also have an MBA in finance. And I'm really glad to have you here today. Absolutely. Well, we're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, you can go to our website. That's moneymd.net. And Steve, we have a whole bunch of resources out there. Um, Josh, your son, has done a great job kind of fulfilling uh, or filling that uh, website up with videos. We have the links to the podcast. We have a calculator out there, a lot of really good information, getting some good feedback from our clients and other folks looking out there should check out the website. Yeah, do check it out. We even have a retirement uh, projector on there mm-hmm. where you can put your information in and it'll shoot you an email with your projections. So it's a great place to start um, looking at your retirement planning. And uh, we'd love to hear your questions, too. You can email us. Uh, you can link to us off the website, or you can email us directly at info at moneymd.net. Well, John, we're not going to talk about football. Nothing yes. to talk about there. Nothing happened. Clemson's got a bye week. Yeah, nothing happened in the Clemson football game. <laughs> no, sure. no. I watched that game, and I tell you, um, Syracuse played phenomenal, and it was just one of those games. It was, yeah, it was one went, of those games. Everything went wrong. Backup. And, Kicker, yeah, chip shot, field goal, and then the punter did a fake punt, and he wasn't supposed to, and all kind of fun things happened. But I don't know if you saw Carolina won. I did. South Carolina won. No, yeah, no yeah, kidding. Yeah. Really, they yeah. beat somebody. They or, did. They who, they won. They um. Who did they beat? Who did they beat? They beat Arkansas. Okay. And uh, Georgia won. Georgia's having a fantastic uh, season for our Georgia fans out there. And yeah, Georgia Tech lost. So our, our area teams had kind of a mixed bag last week. Yeah, but, and I um, think we go to Georgia Tech or maybe have them next week. Yeah, we have a bye week, so we're we're not talking. Lick, football. Licking your wounds. I tell you, I will so. be. I will. I'll be honest with you. Dabo uh, heard went over to the locker room of the the yeah. series. Accuse and congratulated him. Class act. I mean, that's um, yeah. very impressive that he 
uh, you know, it, it, winning's important, but uh, I think he does it the right way. I think he really uh, loves the kids. He yep. really does, and they, they feel it. So, you know, and I think that helps his recruiting. I really do. So so you want to talk about more football or you want to move on? Uh, we better move on, you know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Nothing happening on the football scene. <laughs> There's still a lot of season left. But, yeah, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from Gallup. They did a poll recently, Stephen, about about a little bit more than half of a 1,000 uh, adults that were surveyed in early August uh, believed that the, the stock market, the U.S. stock market, would suffer a correction of at least 10% uh, before the end of 2017. So that poll was done in August. Uh, remember what September did? Pretty good month. Yeah, you yeah. Think, you think half of those people were probably out of the market? That's the problem. <laughs> and missed it? That's the problem. You know, people try to predict it. There's no way to predict it, John. Sure, I mean, there's, you know, I think there'll be one probably next year, maybe. Sure, I mean, it's going to happen at some point. At some point. Nobody knows. I mean, but on average, we do have one every year or two. So you got to be prepared for that. It just happens. So uh, A lot of people thought there was going to be a correction uh, after the election, and they missed a 20% plus run-up. So exactly. trying to predict these things, you'll hurt your returns overall. Yeah, you the can't, data shows can't afford to have yourself in that kind of position. Don't try to predict it. Just stay invested, stay diversified, plan for the long term. So great financial factor of the week. All right, and that leads us up to our first topic here, and that is the 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 big excitement push is killing your returns, right, John? I mean, yeah. It's not a good way to, to invest. You watch Mad Money, and he's uh, always, you know, predicting uh, which stocks are going to do well and so forth. And, you know, Steve, the the, the fact is, I mean, the industry, um, you know, if they dispensed sound, responsible advice and told investors to, to limit their holdings to broadly diversified stock and bond index funds, the revenues would decline, right? The revenues would not do what would not do well. Many uh, folks would go out of business, um, and so this author Dan Solon, um, he's he's a contributor to this, kind of looks at why does the industry, um, you know, project doing individual stocks and so forth and being active, and it's because they have additional revenues, right? When you're doing trading associated with it, but so this um, other gentleman Roth explains um, that Jim Cramer you know, is part of the the issue in the industry. He looks at, um, he has a nightly show, it's called Mad Money, and um, he has a, he had a recommendation on how, he, how to build a North Korea-proof investment portfolio. Think how about, about that? that. A North Korea-proof investment yes. portfolio. Can you believe that? And, um, you know, some people it may appeal to, but Kramer and other pundits, they foster the belief that investors need to, to do something to deal with the current events. And that something can range from maybe fleeing to safety, like going to gold, uh, maybe bonds or cash, um, to maybe changing the mix of stocks that you hold in your portfolio um, to favor those that are likely to prosper in the event of, uh, you know, tensions that in, you know, geopolitically that continue to escalate. So Wall Street, they want you to do stuff, right? They want you to go and, and invest in gold during this time or go invest in certain companies that are doing very, very well. But the data just doesn't show that, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, there is no credible data that making adjustments to your portfolio as reaction to you know publicly disseminated information or news out there does anything but harm your expected returns. Does not help your returns to try to time the market or try to you know predict individual stocks and the moves from day to day or week to week. Yeah, if anyone can profit from this kind of 
of strategy, you know, it would be the tactical asset allocation funds. Um, these funds try to forecast, you know, the returns of asset classes and they adjust their holdings to purchase those likely to outperformed. So you'd think these professional managers might have some insight that's far surpassing the talking heads in the financial media, but that's simply not true, is it? Yeah, you'd be mistaken. That's right. <laughs> Most of those funds have historically underperformed a broad balanced index fund. I mean, if you review the data, um, this gentleman, Larry uh, Swedro, uh, had this takeaway. He said, bottom line, if you have big fees and you have you know assets that are moving around and constant uh, churn, if you will, you're going to have poor results. So in other words, this tactical asset allocation is just another game where the winners are the product um, purveyors, not the investors. So these tactical asset allocations, you're talking about um, mutual funds that are actively managed. You're talking about, you know, you know, changing your portfolio around from gold to oil and so forth. Uh, historically, they have underperformed um, the market. So keep this data in mind the next time that you're, you're watching Kramer and encouraging, you know, others to just to do something. I mean, they're encouraging you to, to really engage in a form of tactical asset allocation, which it really appeals to your emotions. That's what they're doing, right? They're trying to get you stirred up and spun up about what's going to happen. I need to do something. Um, but the data says do the opposite, kind of stay still, don't do anything. Make sure you have a good diversified portfolio on the front end. But, you know, you want to look at what the smart money is doing. That's what you hear a lot of times. What's the smart money doing? That's right. That's right. We do hear that. And before you respond to that question, you know, it's important to define smart money. You know, the media wants you to think that managers of hedge funds and this style, self-styled experts who appear on cable news are smart and they're the smart money. And and I, I won't argue with the characterization that they're smart. You know, they have been able to convince <laughs> millions of investors to entrust their money to them and pay huge fees, um, despite the fact their track record for most of them has consistently underperformed comparable indexes you know, which are far less expensive, but smart, but being smart enough to take advantage of you makes them uniquely unsuitable to give you advice. <laughs> so you don't want to follow those kind of smart people. Yeah, that's right. So who, what is smart money? When we look at this, Steve, it's academics who have spent their life studying the financial markets and they, uh, they publish their results for the research um, in some of these financial journals. A lot of these folks we're very, very familiar with, the uh, academians um, Ken French, Eugene Fama, uh, Robert Merton, and there's a lot of others out there. I mean, these researchers, many who have PhDs in finance, they study the science of investing, right? They, they go exactly. to a different level, and it's really based on, on research. It's not based on musings or speculation. I mean, they've identified their real sources of investment returns, and they reject speculation and cost cost um, or guesswork associated with that. Um, the fund family that really has pioneered this academic research is um, Dimensional Fund Advisors, or known as DFA, and we happen to use DFA. That happens to be the fund company we use, absolutely. Yeah, so if you ask those professionals, and they have you know a, a Nobel Prize winner on their board of advisors, actually two of them, and uh, if you ask them, what are they doing to North Korea proof their portfolio? <laughs> they would I mean, laugh. Yeah, they'd look at you in stunned silence, you know, because <laughs> the obvious answer is you can't North Korea proof your portfolio. It's not the way it works. It's not the way it works. I mean, so you have a choice when you invest. You know, you followed the, the Pied Pipers on the financial media who have a few qualifications, very few qualifications, and little or no data to support their 
musings or study of science and investing, um, you know, or you invest a different way. Yeah. You know, the excitement, Steve, of doing something as we watch the media and read, read articles, um, you know, the, the activity that you should be doing is, is maybe doing some rebalancing. That's not a bad strategy, right? When, when you have one sector that has underperformed, maybe you take a little bit off the top of something else that's done well and you go and buy that sector because they do rotate, uh, over time. So the key, instead of trying to, to time and try to North Korea proof your portfolio is be diversified, right? Have a lot exactly. of different, what we call them asset classes, have some bonds in there. If you want to be a little bit more conservative, um, the other piece that you wrap around that is you have a plan in place um, that kind of looks at income and projections. And, um, you know, those things together historically have worked very, very well. Trying to time this, uh, the data shows is, is next to impossible. That's right. There is a lot of academic research behind how to invest, you know, but it's not based on the media or what's hot out there now or what somebody, you know, is trying to sell as the, the current new trend in investing um you know it's it's tried and true but it's very long-term academic research that has proven some ways to diversify prudently how to get market returns how to capture some dimensions of higher return in your portfolio to give you you know a higher higher return with a lower risk overall than you would do just by investing yeah. you know in those type actively managed funds. Sure. Now, of course, past performance doesn't predict, you know, future returns. We all understand that. But um, being emotional about your investments is not a good strategy. That's not a strategy. And that's the point here (laughs) of this article. It's a very good article. Very good. All right. And that leads us up here to our uh, question of the week. Yeah, this question comes from a a client had a discussion this last last week with. And um, clients in his early 60s has about a million dollar IRA uh, very aggressive stance in the IRA, and obviously he's done very well and very pleased with that. And so the conversation was, is you know, should we you know be a little bit more conservative? The markets are up twenty to twenty five percent over the last year. Um, should we be more conservative? He's in his early sixties, has an aggressive stance. Well, he also they also have about five hundred thousand dollars in cash, so they have another conservative uh, couple of buckets that's made up of, of various mm. buckets, but. And they also have, you know, a very large pension and they have no debt. So the conversation basically ended was um, you can view this bucket, this IRA bucket as your aggressive portion, but it's balanced out by half a million dollars in very conservative investments. Gotcha. Um, got the pension coming in, some Social Security, you know, um, no debt. So in this case, it was OK to be aggressive in the IRA because he had these other things that were offsetting it. Yeah, true. I mean, you know, it, it's it's all part of behavioral science. You know, it's how to how to have your mind in the right place so that you can ride out the ups and downs in the market. And in their case, having that money in cash, you know, or fixed income allows them to be a little more aggressive in their portfolio. Having said that, I think you are better off if you invest it all in a <clears throat> maybe a lower risk portfolio that includes some bonds, mm-hmm. includes other asset classes, <clears throat> fixed income asset classes beyond cash, because you know bonds do return more than CDs. Yeah, or cash is money not market. returning much. Cash <laughs> is not returning much, and so you you do get a little bit better overall risk return profile <clears throat> if you if you diversify your portfolio with some bonds in it mm-hmm. rather than just segregating equities over here and an aggressive portfolio and cash over here and your CDs. But, you know, whatever makes you 
comfortable to sleep at night. Right. Um, and his overall risk, his overall risk, when you look at it, he has about two thirds in the market and about a third in conservative. So we overall did, mix is we not just, bad. Yeah, yeah. We decided to leave it where it was. Um, sure. so, but you know, everybody's situation is different. So, um, but that was the question of the week. Yeah. Good. Great question of the week. All right. And that leads us up to our next topic here. And that is the four ways to stretch your money in retirement. This is a good article out of Motley Fool recently, Wendy Connick is the author, and uh, so we're basing it on that. But yeah, I mean, you know, saving enough money for retirement is not a small task, you know, so that you can do everything you want to do. I mean, many retirement retirees end up compromising on their retirement plans because there simply isn't enough money to do it all. But if you can get the most out of every dollar, then you may be able to do a lot more than you ever dreamed in retirement. And so that's the key is, you know, are there some ways you can stretch your money in retirement to help you accomplish your goals? And the key to maximizing your money in retirement while, uh, <clears throat> you know, minimizing your expenses, you know, that really is the key. And that's the goal here. Of course, it's easier said than done. You know, if you have a few years before pulling the trigger on retirement, then there's still time to make this easier. And there's some things you can do we'll talk about here. Um, you can work yourself out of debt while saving hard for the big day when you start your golden years. Um, so, you know, but once you're in retirement, then there are a couple other things you need to do, perhaps, to help stretch your money. And the first one here on the list for you, if you're already in retirement, and that is to trade some time for money. Mm -hmm. um, you know, time and money may not be equal, but, you know, when something needs done, um, you can generally spend either more time or more money on it. And because retirees generally have more time on their hands than they do money, it makes some sense to spend more of the former that is time to, yep. to help ease the, the cost of this. That's right. For example, you know, finding and collecting coupons, it certainly takes time, but you can also have significant savings uh, if you do it right. So you can keep track of supermarket specials, plan the menu for the week, uh, look for store markdowns. Um, so you can save significant um, money associated with that, but it does take time. Cooking meals um, is, again, it takes time, but it does save a lot of money, probably calories as well yeah, versus going out now. to restaurants. Um, you know, look at, uh, remodeling jobs around your home instead of paying someone YouTube is a, is a great resource. Um, I know you've for mentioned sure. that for, you know, using things around your house and fixing things, but you know, there's a lot of information on YouTube so you can get ambitious, you know, use your time to save some serious money by learning a new skill. And you know, you'd be surprised, um, if you put your mind to it, the, the time and the task, um, you can save a lot of money by by spending your time learning a new skill, using YouTube, couponing, whatever. Um, but there are ways to save money. Yeah, so you just got to put your mind to it and, you know, have that objective. And um, you'd be surprised how much money you can save, particularly on hiring things out, you know, and, and doing things around the house. So highly encourage you, if you're in retirement, to learn some new skills and start doing some of those things yourself. And, uh, you know, plus it'll keep you young too. You That's know? right. It keeps you active, learning stuff. That's great. Um, but the ultimate way to trade time for money, of course, is to get a job. <laughs> but <laughs> who wants to get a nine to five job in retirement? That's what retirement's about, right? So, but you may be able to stretch your savings a lot further by getting a part-time job or setting up a side business in retirement. So that's another option as well in a way to trade time for money. So that was the first one. The next one here, though, is to maximize your returns. 
You know, John, many retirees are resigned to avoiding the stock market and any of the risk with their investments at all costs in retirement. You know, 10 or 20 years ago, investing in CDs or a money market account, it paid enough to stay ahead of inflation and maybe even beat inflation by a percent or two. But those old trends in those days are, are gone for a long time. You know, in today's world of low rates, that's simply not possible. In fact, if you're willing to avoid, um, if you're avoiding any risk with your investments, then you're likely losing ground to inflation each year and you're not producing any real income to supplement retirement. Yeah, as a general rule, I mean, the riskier an investment is, the higher the potential re- uh, return should be. I mean, after all, if risk and returns were not related, then then no one would venture out to uh, to more aggressive investments like small stocks, because you look at that historically, and small stocks are riskier by themselves, but they give you a much higher return, a couple percent historically. That's right. And of course, retirees, they generally want to re- minimize risk in their portfolios um, because they depend on that money. And they don't have years to recover from a stock market crash. But if you embrace, you know, a measured amount of risk in your portfolio, something that you can look at and understand, you can actually increase your returns without adding really too much volatility. And that's kind of how we build portfolios, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so a common rule of thumb out there um, for, you know, the amount to have in equities in your portfolio or having the stock market is 110 minus your age as the percentage of your portfolio that should be in stocks. So a 70-year-old would have 40% of his portfolio in stocks with the remainder in bonds or cash equivalents. Um, so pushing, But pushing your stock percentage up a little bit higher can give you a significantly higher return overall without a major increase in risk as long as you're thoroughly diversified with your stock holdings. Um, so if that 70-year-old had 50 or 60% of their portfolio in stocks instead of 40%, then they could expect to see a proportionate increase in the return. You know, in today's world of low interest rates, every step up the risk ladder can mean a significant increase in returns. Of course, you have to understand the risk <clears throat> that you're taking, and you have to be prepared to ride out any pullback in the stock market, which does happen every year or two on average. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> you got to be prepared for that. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's a good one. Stephen, the next one here on the list is to, to minimize your taxes. And just because you're retired from work doesn't mean you're retired from taxes. Uncle Sam is going to be knocking on your door. He, he will continue to demand his cut. And um, you're also going to have to pay state taxes as well. Then there's sales taxes, property taxes, capital gain taxes, You'll never be able to cut your tax bill to zero more than likely, but you know you need to be able to take advantage of every possible tax break, and you certainly can shrink it down to a fraction of what the government would like to collect from you, but that takes a little bit of planning, right? Exactly. It, it takes working with some professionals, whether it's a CPA, financial advisor, but that is a, a very important piece of, uh, of the puzzle. And it helps a lot if you start early with that, you know, before retirement, because you need to position your assets and your portfolio to take advantage of that. I mean, for instance, if your taxable income in retirement for a married couple is above 44000 then not only um, do you have to pay taxes on your your regular income, but you also have to pay taxes on most of your Social Security benefits above that amount. Um, so for retirees, having a lot of taxable income is multiplied by the effects on Social Security and other things like even Medicare premiums are higher as well, you know, if you have a high income in retirement. 
So the solution is to find ways, you know, to make a lot of your income not taxable. And the easiest way to manage that is to have some of your retirement savings in in Roth accounts, like a Roth IRA or Roth 401k. And unlike traditional IRAs or 401ks, a Roth account comes out tax-free when it's withdrawn in retirement over age 59 and a half. Um, in general, you know, you have to have hold it, held it for five years as well. Um, but you can even, you know, convert your traditional uh, retirement accounts into a Roth, although you have to pay taxes on that money. So when you convert, so you have to plan for that, you know, carefully. But the point is you need to work hard to build up retirement savings in tax-free environments like Roth IRAs, maybe a health savings account, you know, while you're also saving in your 401k. So the taxes will be more manageable in retirement. You'll have more than one bucket to pull from. You won't be forced to take all your extra income out of your 401k where it pushes you into a higher tax bracket when you need a car or you're, you're, you know, going on a big trip. You want to have some places to take that money from a tax-free environment or a non-taxable environment. Um, So you want to work hard before retirement to diversify from a tax standpoint as well, and have some of your money set aside in environments that are not <clears throat> taxable. Um, so that's that's the crutch of that issue. And the last one here is the B word. The B word. The B word. Yeah, finally, if you really want to get the most out of your money, you need to know exactly how much is coming in, where it's going, and when it's going out. In other words, you need a budget. That's right. So budgeting may be a hassle to set up, um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. You know, it's not all that difficult to keep going once you get in the habit. And a basic budget, you know, can make an enormous difference in your financial situation. It also can be very liberating. Mm-hmm. You know, as you know, John, I mean, you know, if you have a budget, then you can you can spend money on things that you enjoy and do it, you know, guilt-free. You don't have to worry about whether you have the money to do it because it's built into your budget and you've already set that money aside. So give it a try. I mean, you may even find that you enjoy knowing uh, where every one of your pennies is 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 going and what's it up to. Um, you know, there are some great tools out there for setting up a budget. You know, there's Mint.com. There's Every Dollar on DaveRamsey.com is a great tool. Um, so go out there, you know, get a budget in general uh, set up so that you have a simple idea of where your money's going. Keep track of it. And once you get a solid handle on where your money is going, then you'll be able to set priorities and make some changes to get you where you need to be in retirement. So get started on the budget part of it today and the rest of these as well. Just positioning yourself so that when you get in retirement, you can stretch your money and make your money, you know, give you the kind of retirement in your golden years that you're looking for. That's right. You got to work at it. Absolutely. Um, so that leads up to our final thing, and that is the prescription <clears throat> of the week. Yes, the prescription of the week is keep your market expectations uh, in uh, in check. Make make sure they're realistic. And Steve, I did the uh, um, the uh, Facebook prescription of the week. So if you're okay. listening out there and you want to see a, a live version of it, not live, but recorded, obviously, go check out our Facebook page because we do the videos. We put the prescription of the week every week out there, and I'm was the unlucky person this week to do it. So, um, but it's pretty. <laughs> this is pretty good. There was a study, Steve, that just came out. From Fidelity, and they um, they they talked to uh, Generation X and Yers. So those are folks between the age of twenty one and fifty one. And listen to this: 
their expected annual return from the stock market, their expectation is 16%. Wow. 16%. And the, um, the same study was done for baby boomers. Their uh, return expectations were 7 Percent. Wow. Now, historically, you know, look back, you know, you know, decades and decades, it's been 10% for the S&P 500. Over about 90 years, that's right. <clears throat> so that's 16% right. is the expectation. I mean, the that's, markets have done well that's recently. That's like a throwback to the 90s, you know, when everybody expected 15 16%. You know, it is. The late 90s, there were five years at the S&P 500 average like 25% per year. That's and right. And so the expectations were extremely high. Kind of feels that way here. It bit. does. You know, a couple of years, it's amazing how short people's memory is. And that leads me up to another study or an article that just came out by DFA um, that looked at the last 91 years. It's called the Uncommon Average. And they talk about the average return for the S&P 500 is 10%. And if you look at 91 years, only six years hmm. fell within plus or minus 2% of that 10% average. So between 8 and 12%. Right. There were so, six years between so eight. Wow. There were 85 years that were either higher than plus two or less than plus two. Hmm. And, you know, about fourth years are negative. So people forget how much volatility there is in the stock market. It's normal. The stock mm-hmm. market goes down, it goes up. You know, you have big years, you have down years. And you have very few years that fall within, you know, that eight to 12% band. Interesting. So, you know, people don't really have quite the realistic expectations. They don't. That's part of, that's part of what we do as money doctors and helping our clients is give them some perspective on this because the stock market, people think they figure it out, but it is um, it is random. Uh, it is based on the earnings of, of companies and also some projections out into the future. So be diversified, have some plans. If you have any questions, give the money doctors a call. Absolutely. Okay, and this has been this week's edition of Money MD. Do tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net, and email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us directly at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.